Welcome to another episode of the Thrive Kombucha Podcast. I'm Elijah, the founder of Thrive Brew Kombucha Co., an up-and-coming kombucha brewery in downtown Lexington, Kentucky. At Thrive Brew, our mission is to brew clean, crushable kombucha to nourish you to thrive. This podcast is simply an extension of that mission where we reflect and share the ins and outs of the journey it's been building out a nourished kombucha community. If you find any value or enjoyment from this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review on the platform you are listening to. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes that promote our favorite fermented beverage. Cheers. There's nothing like that sound in the whole world. It's a good one. <laughs> I hope you all heard that over the music. Oh, they absolutely did. Okay. I see the levels right here. The The level of happiness that comes over you from cracking open a correctly sealed can with the correct fill height <laughs> is just, it's so good. It is. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode. Um, today, we're going to be continuing our talk on the story of Thrive Brew from kind of how we started back in the beginning to what's going on now. So, yep. what's going on, Trev? Uh, nothing much. Glad to be here. Not- I, was pro- <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to like say something about that. No. Watching me like spill everything (laughs) everywhere. I'm just like, uh, I know I can't ask you if you need a napkin because you never use them. I don't use them. I don't use them. I just use this paper. Elijah made a uh, a little bit of a mess. Yes. I poured the kombucha everywhere. Look at that bad boy. That looks beautiful. I'm going to snap a pic of that and we're going to post that up on the Patreon. That's a great like Jolly Rancher kind of color. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a jewel. I know. Red. It's just so crisp so it's a, like a ruby you can almost see through it it's amazing we'll take a couple of pics of this and yeah put it up on the old insta no not insta the patreon there you go look at that i can see my fingers to the other side that's phenomenal anyhow natural clarity that's exciting today was apple day i'm aware I I I think I am more aware than you are, bro. You gotta try this. I'm excited, dude. That really clear. Look how clear, how much clarity that brought, just from a little bit of conditioning. That's crazy. All right, we want to tell people what this is. So we've been working on a little reformulation. Wow. That is delicious, bro. We've been working on a little reformulation on our process on our hard kombuchas, and we it's a lot hoppier than last time. You think? I do. I wonder if everything else just settled out of it so the hops just are a little more prominent now. Yeah. I don't know. I know one thing. It's clean. It is. Um, we started reformulating kind of our process and our hard kombuchas, and we've been doing some test batches, and we've been letting them kind of can condition a little bit because it is phenomenal the difference you get from letting something sit just even even a day, within days sometimes yeah. but yeah. definitely a week in the in the cold can do a lot so trying out our oh we haven't really released what this flavor is going to be this one's not one that's not out this there. hard kombucha not the not this version of it yeah we'll leave that one in the bag for a little bit that's okay but it's a little fruited we already said l- hops so yeah it's fruited it's got some hops yeah it's delicious I'm pretty excited about this. Um, we've been kind of wanting to reformulate how we've, you know, we, even though we've gotten some decent ferments out of our hard stuff, we've not been like, okay, let's can let's let let's replicate this time and time again. We've been continually like trying to tweak things every batch, and with this kind of new test batches that we got going. We're kind of honing in on something that we want to chase and kind of replicate that. So I'm pretty excited. That's the hard part. It's getting to a point to where you want to replicate. Okay, so let's dive in, T-Rev. Okay, uh, do you want to give us a brief... This is a part two. Yeah, this is part two. 
Do you want to give us a brief recap so of last week? So if you're just week? tuning into this episode, stop, pause, go back to the first one. Yeah. Um, That'd be pretty tough to do an entire recap. Me and my wife had an insatiable thirst for kombucha. <laughs> we started brewing for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so last week we talked about um, really uh, from your uh, first kombucha experience yeah. to... Open startup the, open the doors to opening the doors having yeah. your own location and uh the reception uh of uh thrive kombucha to lexington kentucky that's right uh, and that's kind of where we left it off at yeah yeah we brought up a uh, a photo we talked about opening days we talked about opening days yes. open day yeah 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 that's right yep and that's uh where we left it yeah it's pretty phenomenal yeah. To when when I try to put myself in that mental space. Right, cuz that was the question I asked you. I asked you what would you say to that That's guy right. that was start that was hadn't even opened the doors yet actually in that photo, but was building out the uh the kitchen and the uh uh we could call it a brewery. Um Yeah. I mean, it was a brewery. Yeah. But not it was a very Not what we're thinking now when we say brewery. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. It's really incredible. To, like, it's hard for me to even put myself in the same mental space. Like, is what the information that I had, and I felt like I learned so much, even to get to that point. Like, I felt so accomplished. But comparatively now, I mean, one man can make, one person can create twice as good, twice as consistent. In way less than half the time. Way less. Yeah. Way higher quality on everything. Would way you, more parameters <laughs> able to be, you know, it. The, the process is unbelievably different now. Would you ever have imagined that we would have had a, um, like a, an actual formula that we follow? Because we have one uh, roughly about um, how we measure the amounts of things yeah. now. I had those. Um, there was just, I didn't know the testing parameters to be able to control some of the things that we're na- now able to control. I wasn't able to control all elements of the brew at that time. Yeah. It was, it was left a little more to the feel, which there's a romance to that, but when you're trying to and and that's fun to do on a more kind of like test batch sense. That's that's fun, you know, to not be so formulaic, but just go with a little bit more of the feel. But when you start having demand and you start adding other people's livelihoods into the mix and you start having customers that really like the way that that batch came out and yeah. that's why they're coming back to you for that for that same product and that's what they're sharing with their friends, they're expecting it to be like that then that feel at least for us in our our with with our model we wanted to provide more of those things we wanted to provide consistency we wanted to provide something that was the things that we chase now clean and crushable yeah anyhow all right well let's just pick it up from uh from opening day so how would you best describe the way you had uh, your branding specifically set at this time? Well, like I had always said, kombucha was a natural um I fell in love with kombucha outside of Everett wanting to be a, it to be a business. You know, I just loved the product. And then went down a journey of just trying to produce it myself for no other reason than just the art and the love of it. And the reason why I had fallen, fallen so such in love with kombucha was first, it was one of the most interesting and unique things I've ever had. But one of the biggest elements was the health of the beverage, the nutrition, the nourishing element of, of the product. Because... I've always been a very active, um, outdoors especially, 
type of person, whether it's sports through high school and then transferring over into more what I would call like, um, I call them the earthy sports, but you know, it's just things that are more tied to outdoors, whether it's hiking, running, um, rock climbing, things of this mountain biking, things of this nature. Like those are just things that I naturally was inclined to do. And you quickly learn, especially as you age, which, you know, we're still all in our younger years of life, but even as you age that, you know, if you're going to be active like that, you need to, what you put in is what you get out <laughs> in, in essence, you know, um, you can fake it for a little while, but over time, those nutrient inadequacies, those one too many sodas, all those things add up. And so kombucha was something that fit inside of the the health standards of what I knew I needed to keep up. So the branding just naturally kind of fit out of that that means or whatever you want to call it. It just kind of naturally outpoured out of out of hey, here's the things that I love to do and this is something that's really helped and this is not like a pre-workout or like a post, you know, refresh or anything, but it's just, it's a beverage that's super refreshing. Like after a long rock climbing session, after a long run, when you're just out hiking, you, you have a, you know, you want something delicious drink when you're, you know, having a nice lunch. It's like, this is something that's delicious and falls in line with what I know I need to be putting in my body. And I love it. (laughs) So, the branding really tried to marry those two things, the outdoorsy element. Yeah, I think um, you get that uh, particularly in the slogan at the time. Yeah. Nourish your adventure. Which is another word that has uh, remained consistent, is the uh, the nourish element. Yeah. That that word I think most describes what I want the product to do. And it's kind of interesting because I'm a pretty like uh abrasive would be a bad word, I think. But we said you were you had a lot of gumption last gumption. episode. Okay. You were someone with a lot, with of, a lot gum- of gumption. A lot of gumption and you needed to be able to aim that at something. Yeah. But the word nourishing is kind of a soft word, I feel like. It's not like a energized, energy, you know, boost. Like, it, it doesn't have a hit like that. Nourishing promotes feelings of, like, or, like, concepts of, well, at least what comes to mind for me and from the definition of it. It's something that's providing value in a kind of a more... Brick by brick sense. Yes. Little by little. Not something that's going to hype you up the mountain, but that's going to get you the next 10 steps. You know what I mean? And that's the type of lifestyle that I like to live is not one that, oh, there's a quote that I really love. Consistently good rather rather than occasionally great. And it's kind of a side topic to that but it's something that I really value is the step by step of life and what that turns into it's like nourishing your body with movement with healthy fuels day by day by day by day by day turns into something amazing you can just go buy that pre-workout drink that's going to send you on cloud nine today. But what is that doing to your long-term success and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So this is nourishing is the word that I want all of our products to always be. At least functionally. Yeah. Known to do. Yeah. I think that makes sense because just like you said, um, comparing it to boost or extreme or giving you a kind of a rush has a one-off element to it Yep, in the way you talk about it, as opposed to nourish is something you do consistently, which naturally abides with kombucha to really experience its benefits. It's something you do consistently. Yeah. We, 
we have we've had a lot of people over the last year over the years of business that this is a quick aside, but that when they've been sick or they've they've been sick or you know pre COVID when people would actually like come in when they are sick <laughs> like no one does that anymore it goes into an establishment when you <laughs> like when you are sick but when people w- were sick or had been sick they would always come in and buy a ton yes and try to backload with it and i would never tell them but i would try to tell people in advance you know hey it's kind of too late for that one you know it's something that is a constant build up it's a, it's a constant nourishing element it's not and kombucha works that way with a lot of the bacteria and things in it they move consistently through your body so you have to it's a thing that you need to and it's not just kombucha but you have to consume consistently to gain the benefits it can be in small amounts you know four ounces that's probably enough you know but that consistency is something that's I think a part of a a life of growth and actual progress. That's the route that I want to take. And that's and then kombucha falls within those values and that and that uh that kind of stream. Yeah. Um the word adventure. Mm-hmm. So that one um was was a big part of the the brand identity at that at this particular point. Yeah. Um we'll talk about like phase 2 what I'm calling phase 2. Yeah. Um and then phase 3 it almost uh got to come back. A little bit, yeah. But it but you decided not to. Yeah. Um so the our current slogan is um uh we exist to uh, uh we create clean, crushable kombucha to nourish you to thrive. Yes. It was proposed to nourish you to thrive and adventure. Yeah. So why the drop off of it? Well, let's go back to the beginning, and then we'll just work through it really quick. So the word adventure was just a natural outpouring of who I was. That was something that who I was, and I was just trying to be authentic and honest with that. Like, hey, this is a product that's really helped me nourish my adventure. Yeah. You know? Um. But what I realized over time is that even though the business should be a authentic extension of who you are, even more so, it's about serving the customers that you have and doing the best that you can by them. And so what I realized is that word adventure, although it can be... A, it can be a little more um, off-putting, I think, or like, how how would I say it? Not off-putting. That's not a good way of saying it. It's a little more exclusive than I wanted it to be. Even though we tried to display it in a way to where, hey, having a child is an adventure. That's your adventure, you know? Um Going on a long road trip, that can be your adventure. Um, whatever it may be, right? That it doesn't have to. Every adventure doesn't mean climbing mountains and you know, going on long river boating t- trips and things like this. Running shirtless through the woods. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Various activities you can do in Michigan. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so just realizing that I wanted it to be a little bit more about, a little bit more than just what I'm about. And so although that word adventure means a lot to me and everything, the word thrive encapsulates what can all be agreed upon is that Across the board, if you ask someone, do you want to live a thriving life? Every single person, <laughs> and Trevor shakes his head no. <laughs> uh, it's like, yeah, we, we all realize that we get one shot at this life. I mean, we, we lose track of that reality from time to time, but we all want to live a thriving life. 
And so that's going to look different for every single person, what that looks like. But one thing that is it for sure looks like is including movement into your lifestyle and including good nurse. I mean, hopefully this is the best. These are things that are non-negotiable. You can argue about the little micro things about this, but I'm going to say it as broadly as possible so we can all agree is that a thriving life includes movement of some way, shape or form, consistent movement, running, yoga, calisthenics, active sport that you participate in, rock climbing, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, but some sort of movement. And then nutritious nourishment to support that movement and just literally who you are. What you eat and what you consume is who you are. So it's going to include those two elements. And obviously there's disagreements throughout millennia of what's the best way to do those things. But those are two steps that we want to be um, involved in here at Thrive with promoting is movement and nourishment. So there's an element where adventure is implicit inside of Thrive. It is because, you know, we're a four-person company and I'm one of the three. So it's like, I mean, one of the four. So it's like... <laughs> really confused about that math yeah, there. That was bad. Uh, you know, so in that regard, that will be a part of it, just naturally. True. I I would also argue that the adventure crowd is not new to kombucha, most likely. Yeah. At least my assumption would be that they are familiar with the necessity of nourishing themselves for the sake of adventure. So it's not required to be uh, inside of the slogan or the crowd we're trying to reach. Um, they are the easiest sell, probably. Yeah. I mean, most people that are going on epic adventures and epic you know, physical feats are not pounded Snickers. But I know a few exceptions to that rule. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely know a few exceptions to that rule. That's, that's why Thrive and Adventure are put together and Nourish, <laughs> not just Adventure. Because if you pound a bunch of Snickers and then try to climb, climb a mountain, I promise you it will be an adventure. <laughs> it will be an adventure. Because adventures include obstacles, and you will definitely have an obstacle, so <laughs> it'll be okay. Sure. But yeah, what you're saying is right. Is is that is implicit in a in a thriving life? I mean, everyone sees someone being active that's further down the line than them and desires that yeah. in some way, shape, or form. So, putting healthy, nourishing things into your body just naturally implies that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. For those who are listening, uh, we posted some early photos on the Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you listen to last uh, last week's episode, um, we have I put some photos up on the Patreon that match uh, that particular phase, and yeah. then when this comes out, I'm going to have ones that will match this one. So you'll Sweet. be able to go in there and see um, a lot of the uh, some of the. Um, uh, the bottles and the branding that were associated with this one. So you'll be able to see yeah. uh, the design was a mountain and embedded inside of the mountain was the word thrive. You'll see the nourish your adventure, all these sorts of things that uh, it was a sick design. It was, it was really cool. Um, it was, it was really neat. So at this point, like what was the volume you were producing? When we first opened all, all we did was just growler fills. It was just like in shop only. No, oh, really? no distribution, zero. Oh, okay. It was just literally people coming for growler fills and cups to go. So just like a shop vibe in and out, you know, traffic. Okay. Yeah, that's how we opened. And it was actually really good. I didn't know anything at the time. Just to quickly hit, like, we were open endless amounts of hours. And I worked them all. Right. I, uh, we were open... Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. 
That's how it goes. And I worked every single one yes, of them. Yes, you did. And produced all the product. It was pretty... Um, if I was still trying to do that to this day, I'd be a corpse. There's no <laughs> way that I could possibly do it. Um, yeah, it, it was an experience for sure. It was a learning experience to realize that you have to have limits and I would never do that again. But that's how we opened. And, you know, but with through that, I was able to spend epically long periods of time conversating with people, actually connecting with people, relaying the passion and just connecting with the community, local community and develop really good, long lasting, um, kind of clientele through that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit what the production process was like? A lot of labor, a lot of labor. (laughs) So we had, I think at the time about, what did we start with? Like 55 gallon jars. I think, and then we moved, wait, and then I bought- Wait, more. 55 gallons or 55 gallons? 55, 55 gallon glass containers. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So five gallon batches. Yes. And then I think at some point I end up getting like 25 more, so I think we were up to like 75 or so on a rotating, and they were obviously on a rotating schedule, and just the way that we brewed at that time was- I mean, let me tell you what, attention to detail was not lacking, but the labor involved in cleaning each one of those after every single batch is done, and literally, I didn't know about insurance starter, I didn't know about keeping these cultures, which we're going to have to have more episodes you know, now in the future about all these processes that we implement, but it's just, it was so labor-intensive and so unpredictable in nature that it was a hot mess in a lot of ways. The product was great, but see, there was the element of that I was able to taste every single batch. And as you grow, that's you can't do that. You know, you need other parameters. So it was it was a hot mess. <laughs> the production was pretty crazy. Uh, I had no beverage background no manufacturing background besides uh, working. I'd worked in one factory that had no crossover at all, but that was the only experience I had had of production um, at all. So it was, it was a, it was a hot mess. When did bottles come into the mix? Yeah, probably about a year into it. Um, we decided, hey, it's time to start spanning out, you know, drawing more attention to, dr- and, the, and the whole goal of it at that time was not to get lots of, to not make tons of money at it. It was more so to drive people to our location. You know, just let's do some retail accounts around and maybe people will see it and, you know, be drawn to like, where, where's this from? Oh, it's right here in town. Let's go over to the place. So that's kind of how we did that. And um, we had a four- did did you post that yet? Did you post that on the Patreon? The no, bottle stuff? Not yet. Okay, we'll do it this week. But yep. the first bottling line was pretty crazy. Um very labor intensive. Um, as you could see, very slow in in process, but it worked. And it was the For way we how many vendors you had. <laughs> yeah, I mean we wouldn't be able to keep up now, that's for sure. But at the time when we were just starting and like I like I had said, I had that was zero knowledge of how a bottling or canning line or any sort of a production line works. And it worked, you know? Fifteen gallons at a time. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Pretty unbelievable. Okay. So um what brought about the change? from the five gallons to looking into different ways of processing? Was it because of volume or what was starting to inspire you to start thinking about it uh, producing differently? Well, first off, it was we need more volume. We c- we're continually running out, and I wasn't able to produce it faster. So I was like, we have to start investing in 
larger method somehow or another. Did you already know that there were uh, well, methods? There was a little bit of pretentiousness in me at the time because coming from a homebrew mentality, you think it's got to be glass, you know? And I was very, very idealistic about things that I had no need to be idealistic about, you know, at the time. There's still a lot of standards that we hold to this day that are incredibly, whether it be labor-intensive or whatever, that are because there's an ideal attached to it. Like one of them is uh, producing our own fr- fresh fruit juices, which after a long week like to this week, Trevor can totally attest to like, it'd be from a production only standpoint, it would be super nice to just order in some like uh nice purees in a nice big bag and just uh, pour those into a batch, you know? <laughs> it's not just the labor of producing it and processing it. It's also the cleanup. It's one of those things. It's probably you, mostly the cleanup. I did want to say that, but <laughs> it's one of those things you just don't think about until it's happened to you, until the apples have splattered all Everywhere. over the wall. Everywhere. Like a gunshot victim. It's just. Yep. Nothing's worse than pears, though. Luckily, we don't do those very often. <laughs> how are how would pears be different from apples? It's just something about the consistency of them. When we've done them in the past and we did like big batches of things, they just have this consistency of like mush when you run them through the chute, you know, and grind them down Yeah. to where it just, they just splatter. I guess that <laughs> it's just, would also depend on where they are on ripeness. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah, it's just the cleanup, the the amount of work that goes into it, it's just like pre-bottled juices sound really nice when you're like only halfway through a large production. The convenience of it. The yes. convenience, but yeah. we But we have ideals. But there's ideals attached to that. There's ideals that we, wanted th- we want this to be as nourishing and fresh and delicious tasting as possible. How in the world do we do that? We do that by taking whole fresh produce, processing it, and putting it into the thing. I mean, I, was, I didn't tell you this, but I was over at Whole Foods doing a delivery today. And one of the head honchos over there, he's a huge craft beer guy. He was like, dude, I'm telling you what. Every time I pop open one of those cans, that Kentucky meal, I could just swear to myself, I'm drinking a cocktail. It's just so, it's such an experience. It's so good. It's just, you just have it all right there. And the reason why I mean, we spent a lot of time dedicated to layering it perfectly, perfect amounts, and you know, for for what we want to get out of it, and all of those types of things. Yes, but if we used a bunch of extracts and things, there is no way under the sun that we would get that response. So that's an ideal to us because we think it really matters for all those reasons and more. But there were things that I was being idealistic about that. Looking back on, it's almost embarrassing to think about, you know, just like the lack of knowledge, but the amount of arrogance almost that was held on certain processes that didn't matter and didn't really affect the quality of the kombucha. It was just an ideal that I had implanted in my brain from home brewing world. And so, um, the biggest one of that was glass, um, and I thought that any other like uh, fermentation vessel was a little bit down, a down step. Subpar? Yeah, it was def- I thought it was subpar. And it's just from a great lack of knowledge. Um, Sounds like something that uh, someone who doesn't do great volume <laughs> thinks about. Yeah, I mean, like when you're... Apart from the king. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, there's still contention about this, but there's nothing proven that stainless, stainless is amazing. You know, stain, high, high grade, I should qualify it, high grade stainless is phenomenal, especially when cared for adequately with different passiv- passivizations and things like this that you employ. So, right. 
switching over to high quality stainless tanks and learning from microbrewery pr- production and blah 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 those types of things over the years has been revolutionary and so now we're able to create incredibly high quality things at in such greater amounts that it's to myself starting that that little shop you know almost four years ago now is just unfathomable especially with how it tastes i mean it's unbelievable so it was mostly volume that made you go okay i need to find a more efficient way of producing this yeah definitely just a volume thing okay um so what point in this journey did the infamous big book of kombucha need to be kind of thrown out in some of your thinking (laughs) almost from well as soon as I made that switch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As soon as we went from five gallons to 200. Yeah. <laughs> it was like. That's a leap. Well, it was pretty insane because I used to get such, you know, our first batch. Well, actually, it, it, it really tricked me because the first batch in the 200 gallon turned out amazing. So I was like, oh, frick, we got it, baby. Like everything's working out. It was 200 gallons. It was just like. Boom, we're on we're on to the races. The second batch took over four months. Oh my goodness. We had a lagging batch. And lagging sounds nice. Yeah. It it was like three to four months. That was a lazy and, batch. Uh, it was completely due to trying to employ techniques of brewing five gallons of kombucha and doing trying to do a direct correlation to now brewing in 200 gallon batch right which was not the right way to go no <laughs> look at now now with the knowledge that we know <laughs> but at the time it was like i had there was at that time there was no information online that everyone in the kombucha world was so like just held everything close you couldn't get any information right so it was just kind of like by feel and experience. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of learning experiences and learning how to brew larger batches with the same quality and not lessening the quality to increase the speed and time. Like that was one of the biggest things that I'm proud of in the business that we never did was decrease quality or just go with you know oh i guess we can just let this go and get it like this because we can't figure it out but we never released a batch that was outside of our standards of you know a fully fermented product that had all the nutritional benefits um yeah really really happy and proud of that amazing Okay, so uh, we've already talked about when you went from the uh, the long neck bottle shapes, yep. uh, to to the new ones and your excitement about them because yeah. you didn't know any better yeah. about bottle shapes, but you found one that you actually really liked. Uh, but that wasn't the only thing you changed. You also went from kind of again that camp adventurer sort of yeah. look, um, and you went predominantly uh, typographic. Um, why the change at that point? Well, at the time, there was a little bit of those ideals that were still lingering, like the um, unneeded ideals and a little bit of, almost a little bit of brewing pretentiousness. And I'm sad that that, that developed. But during that season of, we realized that what we were doing is not what everyone else is doing and that there's no kombucha categories and there's no differentiator in the quality of things that people are doing. So we kind of doubled down on, hey, we want to display the high qualityness of what we're doing in every piece of what we're doing. The bottles, you know, the unique bottles, the way that we present it forward, the things that we put on the front of it, Everything was geared to show, hey, what we're doing is different than, you know, 80% of what's going on out there, especially with a lot of the big dogs. You know, we're putting it 
I'm not going to even go down all of those routes. We'll talk about differentiators down oh, the road. We actually, yeah, we have a couple in a couple episodes. Yeah. We'll actually be we'll talk about differentiators. But um, so we just doubled down on that in those new packagings, and so just wanted to display the elixir-like quality of what we were doing. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, at that time, you and I, in particular, um, we spent a lot of time talking about mission and vision. Uh, we, yeah, we spent had... a lot of time on that whiteboard. Um, why was that important to you um, uh, in that time frame? Is that exactly the same reason, or was there more to it than that? Well, you know, you start realizing the longer you go down in a business, you start realizing that. Without a mission, without values, and without some without some sort of a vision, you just you get tossed and turned in too many directions because there's too many opportunities. There's endless amounts of opportunities, but you forget to double down on the things that really matter and make a deep impact on certain things, and so. Developing, you know, it gets a little ethereal, but developing the mission and the, and the values helps point your ship in a certain direction to where you're not just trying to, you know, flip the right. flip the wheel every every moment and go towards this island. No, look at that island over there. Let's go towards it. It's like, no, let's go to North America, you know what I mean, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. It's just like point in one direction and make progress in one direction rather than always getting distracted by all the other potential things. Did you feel like Thrive was getting distracted? Oh, yeah, definitely. Part of that I don't feel bad about because you have to test the waters to find out what really matters to you. So, I, you know, as I've thought back over that, it's like we tried multiple different things, um, and we realized that we just want to, like, the, the the phrase, and I'm not saying this is going to be our phrase going forward necessarily, but this phrase is really resonating with me, is that passionate brewers with intention. It's like at the base of what we do, we're brewers. You know, we brew things, specifically kombucha right now. That's what we do. We brew kombucha. Yeah. And, but we don't just brew things just because we brew them. We have specific intentions that we approach the product with, which are our values and our ideals and these things and our mission. And so just getting those dialed in allows us to actually make some deep progress. So that was one, that was getting a realization that, Hey, we've been just spreading ourselves too thin, especially as a small company, you only have so much to spend. So, instead of trying to do all these things and grabbing a little, what if we just honed it all down to what really matters to us, what we really want to make an impact on, and then just go deep on that? And that's what we've done in this next season. Great. So I remember at that point um, you had a few keg accounts um, and still doing mm-hmm. – um, Still had some vendors that we were supplying with our new bottles. Yep. But it seemed like that kept growing at that time already before making a full pivot to going mostly volume, mostly. Um, yeah. So was the aim still trying to draw people in to uh, to to the location or... Like what was what, what was, was going on? Yeah, what was going on there? Because it seems like it seemed like you were still picking up more and more accounts. It was just kind of like I saw it as a both and, you know, at that gotcha. time. It was just kind of like I saw it as, hey, we have two things of the business, and that's how most places operate: is you have a distribution wing to where you reach far, but then you also have a home base where you people can get the experience people can meet the people behind the behind the random products on the shelf you provide you provide a stable spot in the community you know as a staple and blah 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 so it was just kind of a little bit of both um but 
an interesting thing happened for us at the time. And looking back, there could be multiple reasons for this, but just the more, I think, you know, it was a weird time too. COVID was still had its grip, you know, on, on the culture at large, our city. So, you know, everything with a grain of salt of what we learned, because that was a very unique, <laughs> I mean, by very, very at the extreme far end of very unique yeah. time. Um, so just the more accounts that we picked up, the less business we end up seeing here. You know, it was almost a direct correlation that people were just grabbing more, you know, where they were at rather than making the trip over here. So we just kind of decided, I decided at that time, hey, the people have spoken. So let's, let's, instead of just trying to fight things, let's double down in a direction. Little did I know it would take the amount of time that it took to, <laughs> to actually start the process of becoming heavy distribution <laughs> with a small local presence, you know, a little bit of shop feel and then events, you know, we're still trying to keep that local edge here. Um, but to double down on distribution is not something that's a, that, it's uh, a soft local. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, as far as uh, home base goes. Yeah. Yeah. Soft home base. We're very local. Like you, you go anywhere around here. Yeah. Pretty much. Our stuff is there and people know Thrive or are familiar with Thrive. Yep. And consume Thrive. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh, making that decision to focus on distribution and reach and trying to connect with people who see the value that we're trying to offer and connect with the mission and the values and connect with the products that we're trying to make and go far to find those people. It sounds all nice until you get into the hairy details. Yeah. It is going from a local shop to full on distribution is two different businesses. <laughs> and we're, we're, only at the beginning of that, you know? Um, but it's been a great learning. It's been a great learning experience, you know? Yeah. So when Thrive was, again, going from that camp adventure sort yep. of thing to the typographic uh, design, yes. we just have that. Um, and in your thinking of, okay, I want to display the fact that we are... Um, we are different. This is the clearest differentiation you could think of to tell people we produce it differently than a lot of other yes. people. Um, it's a higher quality product. Mm -hmm. um, did Was it mostly finding out what other people were doing or did COVID have any influence on making that decision or did COVID happen after the fact? Of why we made the switch? Yes. Um, COVID really didn't have any bear. You can go into the new bottles. Yes. Yeah, COVID had the no bearing. The new bottles, bearing. the new design. Yeah. Kind of somewhat new direction. COVID had no bearing on that. Okay. It was more so, unfortunately, being more concerned about what other people were doing rather than focusing on what we were doing. Gotcha. Which is a big lesson learned in the course of business. Is to, which you mentioned last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to just, unfortunately, focus on what other people were doing and taking that way too into account onto the decisions that we made. And so basically not wanting to differentiate for the people that we're interacting with, but more so wanting to differentiate from the companies, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> not thinking about the customer first, not thinking about our specific customers and the people that we're trying to reach. Yeah. So, yeah. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, well, that actually brings us to about where we're at. Yeah. Right? Because now we are going that direction of distribution. Yep. We've uh, recently become regional player. So apart outside of uh, our state. Yes. Relatively recent. Yeah. Still. Incredibly recent. Yeah. Uh, which is really exciting. You know, we've got our distribution partners, which that also took a while. My goodness, for if I would have ever known how long it was going to take. Yeah, <laughs> which is really interesting because we did that uh, uh, with that branding and we've changed branding uh, 
and maintained our relationship with our uh, with our uh, distributors, uh, which is really good. And it's gone really well. And it's gone very well, yes. Uh, so that kind of catches us up to where we're at now. Um, do you want to say anything about um, where you think we're going yeah. that's different than what you had previously imagined Thrive would become? I feel like that now we actually have a good direction. We have a good foundation of we're not trying to do everything. We're not making wellness shots. We're not making other food products. We're but not, we still have the uh, the bottles <laughs> where we were doing yeah. that. Well, we're not going to make we're, we're not going to make twelve different flavors. Um, even though one day that'd be sick if we could get back to that. You know, if we have the capacity. But at this stage in the game, when we have four people, we're not going to do that. Um, you know, but what we are going to do is make three to four bad to the motherfucking bone. Absolutely. Flavors. We're going we're gonna to hone those <laughs> suckers in. And we're going to continue to exhibit or enact the ideals that we have on those flavors. Yes. And you and Trey have felt the full weight and brunt this week of a lot of the work and effort and passion that has to go in to making that happen, which was, this was a huge juice production week, you know, on a lot of different things. So, and like we said, we're committed to, if it's, if it's ginger, it's fresh, gen, organic ginger being pressed right into the product. So it's, and occasionally squirting out into our eyes. <laughs> occasionally. It, it did happen a couple times. Uh, but it's for you. So now with the cans, especially, I just feel so good about getting back to connecting with people and especially in environments where people are... We're just more accessible now in the various... Um, areas where I think our product is best consumed. Um, and like we've talked about, can- we've talked about cans, so I'm not going to go further. Far. Exactly. We've yeah. talked in a, pre- in a previous episode, you can link back to that, all the reasons why we're so excited about moving over to cans. But with the packaging, with the things that we're enacting, um, with the way that we're able to distribute to find the people that align with what we're trying to do, provide real nourishment that is authentic. And when I say transparent, we started an entire podcast and spend multiple hours a week producing it to, to literally display the transparency. Like we mean it when we say it that we are about transparency. And so finding people that resonate with that, they might not all be right here in Lexington. That's okay. But we might find some in Nashville and up in Indianapolis. and Which we do. <laughs> Cincinnati, baby, or Louisville, or wherever. Reach out where you're from. Um, we're going to link up with the people that understand the value of the passion that we put in the product. And what we're trying, we don't, we don't believe in just, just consume this to give us your money. No, it's like, it's a serve-oriented business. Hey, we're giving you something to help nourish you to thrive. You know, we can't make the decisions for your life and what you choose to do and blah, blah, blah. But what we can do is we can make a top tier nourishing beverage that is only going to promote health and nourishment in your life. Yeah. That's what we can do. We cannot cut corners. We can provide it in packaging that you can take it on your various endeavors, whatever that may be for you. And we can be true to our word. And what we say on here is what we actually do behind the scenes and what we claim on the products. That's what we actually do. That's who, and we can, you know, for me putting my personal face attached. I mean, if you go on the Instagram, you're going to see my face and it's attached to the quality of the product. 
It goes out with it. We also, on the Instagram post, the process of us <laughs> pressing it, of us doing the canning line and everything. That's so, right. So, again, we're not trying to hide anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, we're. it's really cool to be able to reach out and find the people that resonate with that. Yeah. And we're going to keep nourishing people to thrive, baby. That's what we're... The future is continuing to nourish people to thrive and whatever comes out of that cool i'm excited for it sounds good (laughs) right on it's uh thank you all appreciate you guys who listen to this if you want to connect with us please do um you can always um hit us up at info at thrivebrewco.com info at thrivebrewco.com uh trevor's gonna get back with you um, if you want to see kind of my more exclusive content behind the scenes, all the kind of cool stuff, like we're talking about during this episode, the last episode where like the story, it's like, it's a real, this ain't no venture capitalist company that started. It's like pure passion and will and desire that's made this thing come to be and hard work through all the people that have worked here and continue to work here. Um, and so if you want to, see the behind the scenes and see how things have progressed in the way that things have been produced and just all the, you know, steps of the way hit us up on the Patreon, um, for literally a glass of kombucha a month. (laughs) You can help support this podcast and help, uh, continue to grow the, uh, knowledge, awareness and love for the, our, all of our favorite fermented beverage kombucha baby uh so hit us up on the patreon down in the show notes we would really appreciate it if you get any value out of this podcast to leave us a five-star review it means the world to us maybe a little, do a little write-up you know it means the world to us yeah absolutely tell us uh what you think uh definitely talk to us about uh uh, future episodes you might be interested in. Uh, what other things about uh, the business that you are interested in and would like to hear more about? Or Yeah, we'd love uh, that. Yeah, we, we absolutely would. And we read it. We want to know. If you want to see if we're just throwing you a load of crap or <laughs> this product is actually... I like that this is your lead-in for, for it every time. It's just every like, time. hey, if you uh, think we're full of it... <laughs> well, it's like, Here's the thing. Before you, you tell someone that we're just full of it, why don't you give it a try? I why just think it's it funny that people would listen to this podcast and not order our product and actually find out. <laughs> and some of them have, which is really funny. I just find it hilarious that people would listen to this and never order the product yep. and never know if, like, what if we just make the most complete crap kombucha <laughs> and we have a whole we talk about all, Honestly. <laughs> all this intention, all, all these values. All the Instagram is actually not us at all. No. It's just some, we actually hire a whole set design. <laughs> we have actors that we pay. This is actually a huge scheme. Uh, I just can't imagine. They're giving- just waiting for the distribution. That's all they're <laughs> waiting for. It's just like, nah, I, ain't, I don't want it shipped. Uh, I want to get it from my shelf station, not the one over at the gorge. <laughs> from my Whole Foods. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, I just feel like, cr- like it's kind of crazy that people would give us hours of their lives and not order it. So come on, people. Order yourself an eight pack, mix and match. See what's up. We got some their new. Money, their money is more valuable than their time. <laughs> we've got core. We've got our core flavors on there that we have put literal years of passion into, and we are very proud of. And then we have awesome one-off test batches that we literally throw up online that yes. you can order right to your door. When even a lot of people in our own community can't even have access to. That's one of the most fun things about it. It's I think it's the fact that we we can create some one-offs. We enjoy it. Some in our community can enjoy it. Um, but uh, people who ship, who order it, they absolutely can. We can ship it right to your door. Absolutely. We have so many crazy cool test batches on there all the time. So check it out. Down in the description, order it right to your door. Um, 
I think that's all. No, we are distributing regionally now. Since so, when? I had no <laughs> idea. So if you're interested in trying our stuff, check our map feature down in the description. You can hit us up on the Instagram as well. Um, we got the map feature in the link in the bio. Also, if you want us, if you want us to distribute to some location around you, you know, talk to them. Tell them to reach out to Come us on, or baby. give us their information. We'll reach out to them too. If they're, if you are a state that touches us or a state that touches a state that touches us, <laughs> we can probably distribute to you. Absolutely. So hit us up, info at thrivebrewco.com. We appreciate each and every one of you. We hope you continue to enjoy the magical beverage. That's an over-exaggeration. We hope you continue to love the amazing fermented beverage, kombucha, in all its different contexts and creations and the people that create it. We appreciate you listening. We can't wait to see you next, see you next time. Cheers to each and every one of you. Bye-bye.